Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Uh, let me introduce our speaker and then we'll go get into the word today. Uh, David Logue is somewhere, there he is, coming out of the darkness. Uh, David, I told you about last week, we've been, we've been working with David in uh, Tegucigalpa, Honduras for oh 10 or 11 years or more now it's been a long time i told you about this last week but david um went on a missions trip to honduras and just never went home it's every parent's nightmare right yes. um but he has been used by god in incredible incredible ways uh and let me let me say this so we have uh, a few years ago we pivoted our missions giving when we knew that god was calling us to address the issue of sex trafficking of sex trafficking we decided that we needed to be all in. And so we pivoted our missions giving to organizations that were, that were fighting the same fight. Because we can't, we can't do everything for everybody, so we wanted to zero in and maximize the giving around that, uh, that issue. And when we looked at what David was doing, Mountaintop Ministries in Honduras, when, when we looked at the way he, he took these boys in off the street, I, I just asked myself one simple question, and that is, what would have happened to those boys had David Logue not come along? And it's very, very likely they would have ended up in the trap of gangs and violence and per- perhaps even trafficked and, and all kinds of horrible things that could have happened to them. And so I just wanted to say thank God for David Logue and Mountaintop Ministries. And I know, I know he just shivered. It was awful. Um, But for what God's done in your life, through you and your surrendered obedience to him, we we appreciate it. And we're glad that you're here, David. You you come on and tell us what the Lord's doing. As John said, I'm David Logue. I grew up in Melbourne, Florida. And when I started going to Honduras back in 2002, I was a ninth grader in high school. I fell in love with it. Finished high school, said, okay, I'm ready to go to Honduras. All my church family said, no, 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 you have to go to college. So I went to two years of community college. Then I went to Honduras. (laughs) Um, I moved there in 2008. This past August, I celebrated 15 years of living in Honduras. And like John said, 10 or 11 of those years, you guys have all helped me. The church was much smaller then, and I'm very nervous. I was nervous then, and now I'm nervous now to be in front of you. (laughs) But after this great morning with baptisms and now more baptisms and people coming before the altar. I'm honored to be here. Um, So over the last 15 years, I've helped about 12 young men um, come through my program, our program, not mine. And um, I put them through bilingual school uh, with a Christian background. And like I said, since I've been there for 15 years, they've all kind of grown up. Um, We're going to start with the youngest first. The first seven boys you're going to meet they were a group of seven brothers. The dad was an alcoholic and abusive. We tried to keep the family together by putting him through rehab and all of that, and it just didn't work. So back in 2013, I asked if the original five brothers could come live with us, put them through school, and the dad said yes. They go back during their um, 
their winter break, which is their like summer vacation, because st- school starts in February and goes through November. So their break is December, January for them. So if you want to go to the next slide. First, we're going to meet Angel. He's my youngest. He's going into seventh grade. He's lived with me since kindergarten. Um, he's all things teenager. Loves Fortnite, playing soccer, and getting him out of the house sometimes is a pain in the butt. But he is a little teenager. Next is Miguel. We're going to go a little fast because I know Pastor John's got more stuff to do. Um, Miguel is going into eighth grade. Um, same thing. Loves soccer. Probably loves uh, Fortnite more than anybody that I know. Next is Hiro. Hiro graduated. When I first met Hiro, he was a one-year-old at a children's home. And to be able to watch him grow up, go through school, and graduate as valedictorian this past year was pretty cool. Um, He is studying civil engineering. He's studying civil engineering at a local university there in Honduras. Next is Francisco. Yes, I did it right. (laughs) Um, Francisco... Graduated in 2022 um, and is working in a call center. Like I said, all my kids have gone through a bilingual school, so they're bilingual in English and Spanish. And he works for Google. So if you have any problems with Google and calling Google, you might be talking to Francisco. (laughs) Next is Mario. Mario graduated in 2020. Um, He was on track to be valedictorian, but when COVID hit and we switched to... um, all online, his grades kind of dropped. <laughs> so we had to get him a tutor, but he graduated. He moved out last year and is working in a call center for Lululemons. So um, if you happen to have a problem with your jogging wear, you might be talking to Mario. <laughs> Next is Marvin. Marvin studied at an agriculture university just outside the capital city, Tegucigalpa. He studied at a university called Zamorano. It's a well-renowned agricultural university through Central and South America. Um, it is partnered with Texas A&M, and he graduated this past November and is looking for a job on a uh, cow farm. He wants to come to the United States and work on a farm. So if any of you have a big cattle farm ranch that you're looking for uh, somebody to work, let me know. We can, we can get you a good hard worker. He studied for three months in Panama on a dairy farm, so he knows this stuff. Next is Giovanni. Giovanni graduated this past May from a uh, university outside of St. Louis called Lindenwood University. Um, His sponsor there, Jessica, went there when she was going through school, and she got him a scholarship and all the paperwork to come and study. He graduated graduated valedictorian of his class and class president. Um, So we're pretty proud of him. He is in the process of signing up for his master's. He currently works at Enterprise Headquarters in St. Louis, so um, we're pretty proud of Giovanni. That's the seven brothers. Next, we go on to Saul. Saul lived with me um, since I moved to Honduras. He graduated from school in 2017, if I remember right, and has been taking classes part-time and working full-time in a call center for Xfinity Mobile. (laughs) Um, He lives on his own now. We help him with school. He's studying to be a physical therapist. Um, so we're pretty proud of Saul. My oldest of the group is Henry. He is 26. He graduated two years ago as a lawyer. This past year passed the bar in Honduras and just recently got accepted to just recently got accepted to a uh, master's program to get his 
master's in trial law. Eventually, he would love to become a judge. And so we're proud of Henry. Henry's background's a little rough. Um, if you've been here before, you've heard his story. When, his, when he was about four or five, his dad um, killed his mother in gang activity and things like that. So he's been bounced around the system, and he came to live with us when he was going into seventh grade, went through high school, got a teaching certificate after high school, did some work, went through college, and like I said, graduated two years ago and passed the bar last year. So we're pretty proud of Henry. He helps me with the transportation with the boys to and from school, soccer practice, church stuff, all of that. So um, he's like my right-hand man at the moment. Um, next, I love Chili's, the restaurant Chili's. Um, we, I have a group of friends, missionaries, that we go every Friday night. It's just our thing. We all get together we, and then talk about our weeks. It's just been... It's something we've done for years, and since the pandemic, there have been the group of boys you see on the screen that have been hanging outside, and last spring, I said, where do you guys live? And they told me where they lived, and I didn't know where they lived, and it just happens to be just behind the public hospital in Honduras, which if you've been to Honduras, you know that that's not a good place, and their community isn't good either. Um, first, we started by delivering food bags, and then from there, we built our first house in there. You can go to the next slide. And um, the blue and white house up there was one of their houses, the one in, up in the top, and the one on the left as well, the plastic house. Um, so we said, okay. So we started working in there. This summer we built eight houses in there. You can go to the next slide. And um, so if you don't know, we build wooden houses. We partner with organizations like Torch Missions, uh, Marty and Krista Smith's organization, Go Project World, and help teams build houses. That is one of the things that I love doing in Honduras, and that's what it, actually I went to Honduras to start doing, but God put it on my heart to help these boys as well. So the Chili's boys, have the eight of them have received houses. They look similar to this. You can go to the next one. And um, this past year, we started putting rain, rain collection systems on them, which is just a gutter and a barrel for them to capture rainwater. Because water is, scar- is scarce in Honduras. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but we love what we get to do. And eventually, this has become a year of graduations last year, and this year a year of change since I've only had three boys left in the house. We're trying to start a feeding program in the Chili's Boys community. Eventually, hopefully, a back to school, like an tra- like after school program for them and things like that. So along with the groups, the three boys we have in the house, we're starting a new program in the Chili's Boys community, as we call it. Uh, Every Wednesday in December, we went in, gave out food, had a little Bible study with the kids, and we had an average attendance of about 75 kids. So we're excited to see what happens when I get back in February. You can go to the next one. There's the finished houses. And like I said, they're 16 by 16 square most of the time square, Um, wood floor, (laughs) tin roof. You can go to the next one. Like I said, if you guys are ever interested in coming on a group, Marty and Chris Smith from here in Bremen, they bring groups throughout the year. Please contact them if you guys would like to come. This is their uh, facility in Tisati. If you haven't been in a few years, that's what it looks like. It's beautiful. We had a big VBS there last spring break, and it was awesome. You can go to the next one. One of the other projects that I get to work with, my friend Amber and I, we run a missionary's kid camp. 
what that is, it's a week-long Bible study or Bible camp for the children of missionaries. Um, they come on Monday, leave on Saturday, and it's a week-long Bible camp. Last year, we had three girls be baptized, which was pretty cool. It was our first time we've ever baptized people. Um, we've been doing it for a few years, but it's awesome. We love it. You can go to the next one. Uh, during COVID, if you don't follow me on social media, I got a pet donkey. <laughs> um, at the end of 2020, there were two hurricane, uh, Category 5 hurricanes, and in between them, she showed up at my gate. She escaped from somebody. So for about three months, she lived with us, and then the owner finally came and got her. And in August of the following year, he called me and said he couldn't keep her anymore and did what I want her. And I said, sure. I didn't realize how crazy donkeys are. <laughs> um, She's crazy, but I love her. She loves to escape. She escaped about three miles from the house. That's why I have her tied to the truck, driving slowly. <laughs> um, so, one, speaking of the truck, from all of our ministry, um, work in Honduras, working with different organizations, the boys taking them to and from school, working with the groups, working with the street people. Uh, my 2008 Toyota Tacoma has bit the dust and that's why I'm here. We're raising some money this um, trip. If you'd like to help, see me at the table in the back. And thank you for the opportunity to come and speak today. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we do uh, sponsor David each month as a church. But listen, that it is not a life-changing amount of money that we send to him every, every month. So... If, you, if, if the Lord's laid it on your heart to, uh, to do something over and above that, please go out and see him. Uh, I, can, I can promise you the money is well spent. Uh, this is good, it's good soil to sow into. So uh, thank you so much, David, for being here. Listen, grab your Bibles with me, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians 2. Five through eight. Everybody okay? All right. I'm just going to dive right in in the interest of time. Verse five says, you, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your word today. We thank you that, you, that as Bree sang so beautifully this morning, we believe that you're still speaking. We believe that you're still moving. And we ask you, Lord, that you speak to us and move in us and through us today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we started a series called the Surrender Series, and we've sort of just been hammering away on different aspects of what it looks like to surrender to Jesus. But I, but I, I want you to know how, that I know how it must sound when I say that a follower of Jesus has to live a life of surrender. Um, we don't necessarily have a good mental picture of what a, 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 a person that we admire would look like who was also completely surrendered. Because we tend, especially Americans, we look up to the rebels, 
right? We look up to the mavericks. We look up to uh, the, the ones who bucked the system and who did things that nobody else would do in order to lead people to a better place. We build statues to the bold and the courageous, the, the ones who dared to be different. I'm not sure that there is any statue anywhere in the world of any heroes with the inscription, fully surrendered. As a matter of fact, it just sounds ridiculous. Unless you understand what it means to be surrendered. And I would submit to you that every hero that we've ever admired, that every statesman and every leader has been a person who understood surrender maybe better than anybody else in their generation. They understood what it meant to surrender themselves to a cause and a call that was greater than themselves. To surrender themselves to a vision of a better day or a better way or a brighter future. To surrender themselves to the leadership of someone who is higher than them or wiser than them or greater than themselves. So when I talk about being surrendered, I'm not talking about just being, just laying down before any and all opposition. I'm talking about being fully surrendered to the call and the cause of Christ. I'm talking about being fully committed to the plans that he has for us, being fully surrendered to his wisdom and to his will and to his way, being fully surrendered to the better day and the better way and the brighter future that was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Fully surrendered means no matter what the cost and no matter what the road looks like to get there, that I'm all in with Jesus. That's what we're talking about when we talk about fully surrendered. Now, the greatest example in the word of God of surrender was Jesus himself. Nobody went all in on something like Jesus did. Nobody surrendered more than Jesus did, and nobody had less reason to do it than Jesus did. Our opening scripture said Jesus was God, but he voluntarily left the splendor of heaven and he took on himself the robe of humanity. He not only became a human, he became a poor common human. No pomp and circumstance, creator born as one of his creation. He was fully surrendered to the plan, fully surrendered, not just to be born, but to be obedient and not just obedient, but obedient all the way to the cross. Then That's the very essence of fully surrendered. Jesus gave himself to the plan not to better himself because that's not possible. He was fully surrendered in order to give us an opportunity to regain what we had lost, which was a right relationship with God. I kind of heard myself a few weeks ago, kind of heard myself in that first message um, say this, and it just keeps rolling over in my mind uh, 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 throughout the week. And I want to say it again. Your, your half-hearted commitment isn't changing anything. If it's not changing you, it's not changing anybody else. If you don't notice the cost, then you're not fully committed. You're not fully surrendered. And I think the message today is just sort of trying to flesh that out. You have to be fully surrendered in order to make a difference. Casual and cultural Christianity has done nothing 
for anybody. When the apostles showed up in the the book of Acts 17, when the apostles showed up, the unbelieving leaders of the city said, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. My goodness, how things have changed. When's the last time that's been said about any believer in America? Every once in a while, I'm a school bus driver, and, and every once in a while, one of my kids will get bored enough to ask me a question about myself. And they'll ask me, hey, what do you do all day when you're, after you drop us off? I was like, ah, I just, just sit around, drink coffee. And I said, no, I've got, I've got a real job, I've got a full-time job, I've got a real job. And, and, and they go, oh, what do you do? And I tell them, I'm a pastor. Uh, do you know what the most often response, the, the, the response that I get most often to that when they say, uh, when I find, they tell them that I'm a pastor? You know what they usually say? What's a pastor? What's a pastor? Not where's your church? Not, hey, cool, I go to First Baptist or whatever. I drive kids in this county of less than 30,000 people in the buckle of the Bible belt, and they have no idea what a pastor is. They don't, not just they don't know who theirs is, they don't even know what one is. That's a tragedy. What, what happened? What happened from these are the people who changed, the, the, turned the world upside down to what's a pastor? The difference is we are sorely lacking for people who are fully surrendered to the cause of Christ. Because these kids live within, within rock-throwing distance of about 12 churches that ain't never heard from any of them. The Apostle Paul said, do everything with all your heart as if you're doing it for the Lord himself. That means if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. That means if it's worth doing, it's worth doing with all your heart. If you're only casually committed and half-hearted, then who stole your heart? It's time that we get fully surrendered today fully surrendered. So what does that look like? And I want to talk about three different things, maybe surprising things uh, from the life of Jesus that'll help us to see what being fully surrendered might look like. And here's the first one. Fully surrendered is strong. Being fully surrendered is strong. It takes incredible strength to surrender to a plan greater than yourself. It takes incredible strength to stay the course on that plan when it's in your power to walk away. The opening scripture said that Jesus chose to step out of heaven and down into the earth, but do you realize that he could have always, that he always retained his choice? He could have called it off and walked away at any point. Not just at the beginning, he could have done it at any point. I want to show you this, Matthew 26 49 through 54. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come to do. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. One of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword and struck off the the high priest's slave's ear. Uh, And in verse 52, Jesus said, 
put, put your sword away. Those who use the sword, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's what Jesus said. And then, but pay attention to what he said. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? And he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what, ha- what must happen now? See, it could be misunderstood as weakness to allow yourself to be arrested and falsely accused, convicted, and crucified. But do you realize the, the strength that Jesus demonstrated in that moment? He could have responded with an overwhelming display of his deity. No cross, no crown of thorns, no false accusations, none of that stuff. The angels could have snatched him up out of there and left every human in the garden dead. Jesus had a choice. And Jesus had the power to choose. And he chose to surrender. And not just in that moment, Jesus put up with that kind of stuff through his entire ministry. The injustice, the abuse, the constant attempts on his life throughout his ministry. But he had the strength to fully surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the promise of a better day. Not for himself, but for us. His death Burial and resurrection didn't secure for him a single thing that he didn't already have. Every bit of what he did, he did for us. See, anybody can insist on their own way. Anybody can bulldoze their way through life, demanding their needs and their wants to be met. That's not strength. That's childishness. That's selfishness. That's not a leader That's a bully. It takes real strength to be fully committed, fully surrendered to something that's not about you. Maybe you're hearing about Jesus for the first time today. Or maybe you've heard about him, but you've never chosen to follow him. Well, depending on what you might have heard or who you might have met that claimed to, to represent him, you might think that following Jesus is for the weak-minded who let people walk all over them all the time. And I'm here to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. Following Jesus is about fully surrendering your life to him and only him. You follow his word. You listen to his spirit. You develop his character. You live life through him. His spirit gives you all the strength that you need But know this, surrender is not weakness, it's strength. Surrender is strength. Here's the second thing, fully surrendered is separate. It's not just strong, it's separate. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to his hometown, Nazareth. The next Sabbath... He began, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed, and they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told him, a prophet's honored everywhere except in his own hometown 
and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus went back to his own hometown to preach and to minister. And I want you to notice the progression. At first, they were amazed at him, amazed at his power, amazed at his wisdom. But then they started to talk about where he had come from. And like this... This dude's raised just like we were. He lived right over there. We know his parents. We know his brothers and sisters. His sisters are still living here. We, he went, he's a carpenter. His training is a carpenter. Who told him he could run around the country teaching people and healing people and going in the synagogues? And they went from amazed to offended And though they had shown up to see him and hear him, they rejected him and refused to believe. Why? Because Jesus was different now. He wasn't a carpenter anymore. He wasn't just Mary's oldest boy. He had separated himself from them. He had left them behind when he fully surrendered himself to the ministry that God had called him to, to, that, that God had called him to. He still loved these folks. He didn't carry himself as if he was better than anybody else, but he just couldn't do what he had always done, and he couldn't be who he'd always been. To be faithful to the calling of, that he had surrendered to, he had to separate himself from them. At some point, being fully surrendered to Jesus is going to cause you to separate from others around you. He says to come out from among the world. Jesus said come out from among the world and be uh, separate people. Be different. You're, you are different. Start to say, look at the person beside you and say, you're different. But that may be offensive in some context. But you're different. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're different. You're different because he called and you answered. You're different because you have destiny. You're different because you have purpose. You're different because you're all in on something that's so much bigger than you and so much more important than the things of this world. You're into things that last forever. You're marching to a different beat. You're motivated by different principles. So you can't go where everybody else goes and you can't do what everybody else does. You can't spend your time and your talent and your treasure like everybody else does. You can't hang with the same people you used to. You can't allow yourself to be influenced by the things that connect you to your old life because that's not who you are anymore. You've got to make decisions on your identity, not on your history. You're not better than anybody else. You just realize that things are going to have to change. You just realize that you can't get to a new place by going all the same old ways. There has to come a time when you say, I know who I was and I know where I came from, but I also know who I am and I know where I'm going. And those are separate things. I can't miss becoming who I'm supposed to be just because other people are still trying to be who they've always been. I can't miss who I'm becoming, who I'm supposed to be, 
just because other people are still who they've always been. I've got to get separated because I'm surrendered. The disciples said, Jesus, listen, we're with you. We're glad to be following you, but we left everything. We gave everything up. We left our possessions. We left our businesses. We left our relationships. We left any, any status we may have had in the community. It's all about you now. We're all in with you. You're all we've got. And we don't have anything without you. We've separated ourselves from who we used to be. Listen, that's what being fully surrendered means. That's what it looks like. There's no plan B. You're all in on it. There's nothing to go back to. You're all in on Jesus, but it takes strength and it takes separation from who you used to be and what you used to be. The good news is separate doesn't equal alone. When the disciples told Jesus all the things they'd given up, he reminded them of all the things they were gaining. And one of the most important of those things is a family of people who have also chosen to be fully surrendered to Jesus. Those who are also a separated people. Though you have to walk away from people who are trying to keep you who you used to be, there's a whole body of sold out people who are trying to help you become who God's called you to be. And those people are priceless. Even more so when you realize that not everybody in your life is going to be excited for you when you fully surrender to Jesus. That synagogue was not full of excited people to see Jesus. Not everybody's going to support you. Not everybody's going to show up to cheer you on from the sidelines. Why? Because your fully surrendered life reminds them that theirs isn't. What did Bartholomew say about Jesus' hometown? He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? You ever tell people you're from Bremen? Can anything good come out of Bremen? Right? That's the way they felt. That's what the people said about their hometown of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I think at least part of the rub with Jesus' hometown homies is that they were living their lives under the assumption that nothing good could come out of there until they saw Jesus. And Jesus was good. Jesus was great. Jesus was changing lives. Jesus was uprooting the status quo. Jesus was a rebel. Jesus was a change agent in their culture. And I think very quickly, they realized that they had bought into what everybody else had said about them. They believed nothing good could come out of Nazareth too. So they had reduced their lives down to the limits of their beliefs. Every one of us does that. He says, John, why do you worry about what we believe so much? Because what you believe determines how high you're going to go and how far you can make it. They reduced their lives down to the limits of their beliefs. What you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, makes a difference. You can define yourself by your facts or you can define yourself by your faith, but not both. 
You can define yourself by the facts of your life, or you can define yourself by your faith and what Jesus can do through you and in you, but not both. If you're going to be fully surrendered, you've got to separate yourself from your own limitations. You're going to have to come out from among your own small-minded thoughts and among your own weak-minded beliefs and get fully surrendered not just to the will and the ways and the calling of God, but surrendered to the power of the mind of Christ to change everything. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. We have to have the same attitude that Christ had. And it changes everything. And here's the last thing, and you'll be really excited about this one. Fully surrendered is stubborn. Fully surrendered is stubborn. Some of y'all are like, yep, see, honey, I told you, I am super spiritual. Not every form of stubbornness qualifies, so y'all just calm down. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. This was prophesying about the Messiah. It says, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, this is the Messiah speaking prophetically. Therefore, I set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I won't be put to shame. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The whole point of Jesus coming to this earth was to be the once and for all sacrifice for our sins and then to conquer death and the grave with his resurrection. That's why he was here. But that required great suffering on his part. And the disciples and those who loved Jesus really didn't want him to have to go through that. They didn't want him to go to Jerusalem because they knew he had political enemies and religious enemies who were going to try and hurt him when he, go, when he went back. But no matter what anybody said, he was determined to go up. He set his face like a stone towards Jerusalem and he stubbornly set out to fulfill his destiny. When you're surrendered to God's way of doing things, when you're fully surrendered to God's will for your life, other people may try to convince you to do something different, to do something easier, to do something safer. But when you're surrendered to the plan and the will of God, you have to get this stubborn sense of purpose. Fully surrendered doesn't mean you wave the white flag to everything and everybody. It's actually the opposite. You're so surrendered to what God wants that you stubbornly refuse to accept anything else and anything less. It has to be God's way or no way. July is going to be 27 years that that my family and I have been here at Covenant Life. Some of y'all ain't even 27. All right, I understand how old that makes me, so y'all just, just keep your math to yourself. People hear that, and, and they often ask, how in the world did you stay in one place that long? And my response is, uh, has been the same for years. I have a high pain tolerance, is what I tell people. But I've come to realize maybe it's not a high pain tolerance. Maybe I'm just stubborn. Don't say Amen especially this section over here. 
but maybe I'm just stubborn. Maybe I just decided that if this is where God called me into, that I better stay till he calls me back out of it. Right? Maybe I just decided that it, it wasn't a man who called me here. I shouldn't let a man run me off. Right? Maybe I just decided that when you're fully surrendered, your pain is a seed and your work is water. And that over time, good Lord, that over time, God will bring the increase and the abundance if you'll stay and work the soil. So I've had more than one time that I just had to decide, I'm just going to wipe the blood off my lip. And I'm just going to encourage myself in the Lord. And I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm going to get back to what God called me to do. And I'm going to do for him whatever I'm allowed to do in whatever season that I happen to be walking in. But I'm telling you the truth. You are not going to last serving the Lord if you don't get a holy, stubborn streak up your spine. It's not going to make it. If you're surrendered to something bigger than yourself, you can't let yourself off the hook either. It's not just always about everybody else. I've got plenty of sad country songs about somebody done me wrong, okay? I got all of those. Country Christian, I guess. Anyway, some of the problems I've found myself in over the years were my fault. I have not always been right. I have not always been the innocent victim. That surrendered stubbornness has got to apply to you too. You don't get to do things your way. You don't don't get to stay the same. You don't don't get to just say, well, that's just me and you're going to have to deal with it. That's not how surrendered works. You're going to have to bend till you think you're going to break sometimes. You're going to have to learn some new skills. You're going to have to get a new mindset more than one time. Sometimes you've got to say to yourself, I'm not going to let your, say to yourself, I'm not going to let your immaturity and your ignorance and your selfishness stop the calling of God in my life. Do y'all talk to yourself that way? You need to. <laughs> you need to. Sometimes you've got to get out of your own way if you're going to follow Jesus. Surrendered means everything and everybody gets surrendered and that means you. Great prophet from Gary, Indiana told us 30 years ago, if you're going to make that change, you got to start with the man in the mirror. Y'all just go look that up. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Here's what I can tell you, Corey. Please don't, please don't play any Michael Jackson. <clears throat> I felt the devil when it hit him. Just sensed it. Oh, Lord. Because I sure ain't going to moonwalk anytime soon. Not anytime this side of heaven, I promise you. Um, I can tell you this. I am not the man I was when I started this road of pastoral ministry in 1992. And you're welcome for that. I'm not even the man I was in 2012 when I became the lead pastor here. 
And if God is gracious to let me stay here for another 15 or 20 years, I won't look anything like the man I am now. Because surrender demands constant change. You have to change. You have to learn. You have to grow. You have to humble yourself. You have to be broken. If you're going to become more like Jesus. Because they don't, none of us pop out like Jesus. We all have to be crafted and shaped and molded. <clears throat> if you're going to do what God's called you to do, if you're going to walk fully surrendered to him and to his will, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be separated. You're going to have to be stubborn. Because the world has enough self-centered, self-serving, self-absorbed people. And those people aren't the heroes. They're not leaders. They're not world changers. We need rebels. We need people who aren't afraid to shock the world with, their le- with the level of humility. People who are not afraid to upset the typical ways of doing things by being way more generous than they have to be. Being way more gracious than they have to be. Way more courageous than anybody could ever expect them to be. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling people to a commitment level that's off the charts. Fully surrendered to him in every area of our lives. That's what he's calling us to. To being honest when we fall short. And pressing forward to a day when it will all be worth it. Y'all stand with me, please. I have a rapidly growing intolerance for wasted time. There's too much important work that's not been done, not being done, for us to fool around with with stupid stuff. So I just got no tolerance for it. And I think we're going to have to take that sort of holy intolerance and weave it into our formula of what surrendered looks like. Because when you're all in on the mission, you don't have time to waste it on stuff that's not mission-oriented. And so I just, I just want to challenge you. I just want to push you. we got one more message in this surrendered series that, that I'm aware of. And it's, it's, it's also challenging in a different way. But I, I want to challenge you to surrender today. I want to challenge you to even ask the question to the Holy Spirit of whether you are surrendered. Because sometimes you think you surrendered and you ain't really surrendered. Right? You ever had that experience in your marriage when you think your marriage is awesome and then you mistakenly ask your spouse how things are going and they let you in on the reality of your relationship? And you're like, oh, never mind. Well, you can't unask the question and it doesn't change the reality that you were in. You were just ignorant of it. 
I just want to challenge you to be strong enough and bold enough and brave enough to ask the Holy Spirit how you're doing in the surrendering area and see what he says. Some of y'all look scared to death. Let me tell you, I've been on, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been on the fence. Just give up and follow Jesus. It's the best path you'll ever take. It's not the easiest road, but you don't, you don't take a road because it's easy. You take a road because it's going to get you to where you want to go. And there's only one road that's going to get you where you want to go. So just go all in with him and quit fighting. So I'm going to pray. I would encourage you to do the same. And then we're going to get our new brother and sister and we're going, well, they're already changed. Hallelujah. So we're going to get them and we're going to baptize them and we're going to celebrate with them just like we did at the beginning of the service. Because they deserve that just like they did at the beginning of the service. Right? But we've got a little business to do with the king right now. So let's pray. Father, all the, all the ways I sort of imagined this message going and this service ending, I was not really prepared for this uh, sacred, solemn moment. <clears throat> but I thank you for it. Because I think it adds the gravity that we need from your word today, Lord. You're calling us to something greater than ourselves. You're calling us to surrender ourselves at great cost. But we also know that no cost that we could ever pay is ever going to match what you've already paid for us. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to surrender to you today. Fully surrendered. And that you would give us your strength through your spirit. That you would help us to separate ourselves from those who are not taking us in the direction that we need to go. And God, that we would just be stubbornly surrendered to you. And God, I can only imagine what you could do with 200 or 300 or 400 stubbornly surrendered people in this county, in this region, in this world. Would you raise up some world changers today? In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.